Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and email us your story up at collegeparkchurch.org. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Last, last Sunday, we had so many people baptized with the Holy Spirit. We had somebody give their life to Jesus for the very first time. We actually had a husband, a father, literally give his life to Jesus, literally for the very first time last Sunday. Can we give God praise for his spirit that is doing this work that's moving in this house? Um, This morning, I really want to preach a word I have no title for other than just this fire that's in my spirit to give it to you. But I have a picture in my mind right now of an airport. There's nothing worse than going to an airport and being stuck. You know, stuck in line at Walmart when you have to go somewhere. Happened to me this week. Stuck at the rental car, having having to wait to get your car, and you got places to be. Stuck at a meeting when you got another meeting. Hello? Nothing worse than getting stuck. The word of God, the word that God's giving me right now for you is that in the life of a believer, a believer is never stuck. A Christian is never stuck. The only, the only way you get stuck is if you choose to stop. I'll take the two amens that I heard. When it comes to a believer, there's a scripture. I literally have just a few scriptures today I just want to really give to you. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What does he say to, what does he say to do? Stand. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Everybody say faith. faith. He says, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. You got to realize that when it comes to God, God wants you to increase. God wants you to prosper. Okay, only one person believes that. You got to understand that when it comes to God, he wants you to increase. He wants you to prosper. Does anybody believe this word? This isn't motivational speaking. This isn't Oprah Winfrey, you know, some positive thinking stuff. Hebrews 6, 13 through, uh, through 14 says this, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. God wants to bless you, and God wants to multiply your life. But there are areas in our life where we don't see God blessing, and we don't see God multiplying certain areas of where we are in the season we're in. Isn't that just truth? We don't, we don't see that in our families sometimes. I don't know how many conversations where I hear that with people and their sons, people with their daughters, people with their grandkids. So if, if there's one conversation I have the most when it comes to this church is that, Pastor Mark, could you play, can you pray for my son? Pastor Mark, can you pray for my daughter? 
where people are stuck not seeing God move supernaturally and miraculously in their life. We live in a time where people feel like that hand that they've been dealt, this is what I have to live with my whole life, and that is the season of being stuck. But I've come with the word right now. Your season is not to be stuck. Your season is to be blessed and for God to multiply you in that season that you're in. Now, can somebody shout amen? I know that's hard to see sometimes. I mean, we see this in the Bible over and over and over again. Old Testament, we see it, and in the New Testament, we see it. But in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, this is the scripture that is going to be the stratum of what I'm going to be preaching, the essence of what's going to connect the spiritual blessing that God is going to unleash over this house. For some of you, you've heard the scripture. It's, it's literally titled, The Widow's Olive Oil. And this is what happens. In 2 Corinthians, or 2 Kings chapter 4, this is what happens. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. What do you mean? He loved the Lord. He respected the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? She responds with, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Catch that. Underline that if you like mark it in your Bible. Don't ask for just a few. Verse 4. Then go inside Shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all of the jar, into all of the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I wonder how many of us feel like we are in debt. We feel like we're in debt up through our eyes. Maybe naturally we're in debt. You're in debt because of bad choices you've made in the financial journey of your life right now. Some of you might be in debt because of somebody's idiotic, um, you know, steps of, of, uh, of poor stewardship with credit cards and money management. Some of you are in debt in, with insecurity, and some of you are in debt to fear, and some of you are in debt to so many emotional states that have plagued you for so long, and now you feel like, the creditor is coming to take over your life, coming to take over your mind. Why do you think people commit suicide? Because they feel that they've given everything that they've had. And so they think there is no more hope. And so now if there's no more hope, I take my life. Proverbs says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. There's nothing worse than a Christian living life without hope. There's nothing worse a person who has no hope that God is for them, a person that has no hope that God can save their marriage, 
a person that has no hope that God can use them, a person that has no hope that God can change my mind and make me more than I am. And in fact, if we be honest, 100%, 10 out of 10 of us right now are living in an era where hope is limited in our walk right now, right here in this place, right here. We all go through it in moments of our life if we're not careful because we have, the, we have this suit that we wear every day called the flesh. And the Bible says this thing called the flesh, nothing good comes from it. This flesh actually fights against the spirit of God. It wars against each other. That's why a lot of you, uh, some of you who gotten saved this year, I think, we, I think we're on 58 salvations this year right now for first-time people. And the reason why the conversations, yeah, let's give God praise for that. It's amazing. Yes, yes ma'am. The reasoning why so many conversations I have with them, where they come to the altar and they have a spirit-filled moment, they have a moment where they encounter God. Remember, even Paul, even Paul encountered um, Jesus on the roads to Damascus, and it was bright. It was exciting, and it messed up how he saw life. All you know, and he saw life totally different. But there comes a moment where it's like you leave church, you leave that moment of tears and flowing out of your eyes. You leave that moment from, you know, just boohoo and it's not just, and you, got, and you got that ugly cry that day. You know what I mean? Anybody, you remember that ugly cry you had when you experienced the Lord? And we all have it at times. Girls are the worst, you know? Only reason why I say that is because you have mascara running down your eyes. You look like, a, you, you look like one of those zombies from The Walking Dead. I say that because we were in the pool one day and this lady, she had mascara. She turns to my kids and my kids scream, literally. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. But you have those moments where you encounter God and only to walk out, and it's not like it was when you first encountered him. You feel like, Paul, you're blind. You feel like, Paul, what next? You feel like, Paul, where do I go from here? You feel like, I remember when I got saved, I mean, in the Sunday school classroom at Somerville Family Worship Center or 407 North at Magnolia Street, I remember the exact place where I was at. I remember it. I remember how surreal, how amazing, how just beautiful that moment was. But I also remember when I had to go back to school at Stratford High School. I remember every one of my friends disowning me. I remember no one wanted to hang out with me because the new person that God created me to be and who I used to be, didn't connect to who all they were at that time. The light of God's Holy Spirit that was shining in me was repelling the darkness that was within them. And of course, man, oil and water don't mix, right? Some of you, you feel like that in your walk with the Lord. Why, why stay saved? Why, why be a Christian? I feel like it's harder than it was when I was living in sin. I mean, we hear that in the Old Testament from the children of Israel. <laughs> they finally get delivered from slavery in Exodus. Man, man, they're celebrating. The Bible says there's rejoicing and people are just shouting and worshiping like, 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 like no other. And then, and then, and then, and everybody's saying then. And then they get to the Red Sea, and now they're all screaming and yelling and fighting and bit bickering and talking to Moses. Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? That's what happens all the time. We got to realize that when it comes to our walk with the Lord, it's more than salvation. 
Because we live in a day and time where we talk about grace and we talk about salvation, which is a common teaching from this pulpit, a common teaching from this house. And by no means am I trying to devalue salvation or the grace of God. That is the pinnacle, that is the bedrock on which we stand, the grace of God. Can somebody shout, the grace of God is my bedrock. So by no means am I devaluing by what I'm about to say next. But the grace of God alone will keep you through. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon your life. You need, there needs to be a setting, a, a, a moment where you sanctify yourself and you set yourself apart from the world. And, you, and Galatians 2.20 becomes your anthem. For I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this thing called the flesh, I live by faith. Everybody say faith. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the one who gave his life for me. In other words, it's no longer my reputation. It's no longer my desires. It's no longer my plans, but Christ who lives in me. Whatever you want, God, I'm going to do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go. And the only way that you can go, the only way that you can sustain, the only way that you can get through is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I must go. I must leave this place. But so I'm going to leave something greater. I'm going to leave the greatest gift, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes upon you, my God. We're living in a day and time where we thank God for salvation, and we have a lot of people experiencing salvation, but we don't have people baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me check it, and let me, I want to really teach this because we got to understand this. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So then what in the world are you talking about, talking about, Pastor Mark? I need the Holy Spirit. And if you just said I have the Holy Spirit, no, you need the power and the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what I'm getting at. It's an act where they're in the upper room, and they're all there in one accord. And there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And something of a tongue of clothed fire came upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence or with, with closed tongue of fire that came upon them. They all started speaking in a, in a heavenly language. And something came upon them, and it shook the room. It shook the room. We need, we need people who will shake the room when they speak. Shake the room when they go into their family. Shake the room when they enter into their house. Shake the room when they enter into whatever environment they're in. That is the issue that the church is having today. It's not that we don't understand grace and mercy. We do, but we don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And what ends up happening, because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy has power over us. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is that sword that can destroy the enemy that comes against our life. How do we activate the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? That's a very good question. 2 Kings, verse 4 through 1 through 7. This is a woman that is in debt. This is a woman who lived in a house that revered the Lord and loved the Lord. These weren't sinful people. These weren't pagan people. They followed after the law of God and the prophets or whatever they had at that time in 2 Kings as far as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And so here they are. Uh, uh, her husband dies. The creditors are coming. And now her boys are about to be enslaved. You know what this scripture shows me? Is that what my father sins can, you know what, be an enemy to my life and to my kids. It's called a generational curse if I don't break it within. And that the sins that you don't fight, the sins that you fail to pay up, the sins that you fail to confront and face now have access to your sons as well. Some of you wondered why you can't, you have an issue, man. When it comes to, like, lust, and you wonder why you have an an issue when it comes to gossiping, check your family history. Check your family line. I bet you your mama did it. I bet you your grandmama did it. I bet you one of their family members did it. And now you can't stop doing it. Why? Because it's called a seed. And whatever seed you have, that is the fruit that will come from that tree that you will eat one day. And so you can have the passion and you can have the desire to change whatever, you know, all these things in your life. But until you change the seed, you will always eat the fruit from that tree because a seed will always produce what it is. Desire whatever you want. Have a passion for whatever you want. Listen to all these messages on Sunday mornings or on YouTube or on Daystar or on TV and all you want. But if you don't change the character of who you are within, you'll never change from when it comes to who you are outside. Character is everything. We live in a day and time where people will sell their character for popularity. They don't care about purpose. They want to be popular. And so long, we see that with the body of Christ. We see that in New Testament. We see that with Old Testament. People rather care how people think about them than what God is wanting to do in and through them when it comes to obedience in their faith. Here in 2 Kings, we see something crazy. We see an example like we see today, each and every moment of every believer that thinks, I don't have nothing. She is in debt. Her family's about to be enslaved. Her life seems to be at wit's end, and there is nothing good as far as what she sees in the natural coming over the horizon. And what does she do? She comes to the man of God. What does the man of God say? What do you have? And her response is, just like every one of us, I have nothing. (laughs) Pastor Mark, look at my marriage. It has nothing. Pastor Marth, look at my son. Look at my daughter. There's nothing but this, except this little itty-bitty, itty-bitty little bit of oil. Oh, you know, I just have a little bit of time with my son. I just have a little bit of knowledge of God's word. I just have a little bit of time that I've, that I've known to see God to be true. He says, what do you have? That's all you have? This is what I'm asking you to do. I want you to go to everyone you know, your neighbors, and I want you to get jars. Someone say, get jars. I want you to get as many jars as you can. Bring them in the house, shut the door, and start pouring the oil. And as she collected all the jars, as she collected all the pitchers, as she collected all the containers that that, that could withhold the oil, she finally started pouring the oil. 
And as she started pulling the oil in one jar, it went, man, it filled. And the little bit of jar wasn't empty. She started pouring another jar and pouring in another jar and pouring in another jar. And each jar she kept um, pouring into kept filling, but the little bit of oil that she had was still pouring out. And this makes no sense in the natural. That's exactly right. Because this is natural things happen. It's supernatural things. And only supernatural happens when we obey in the natural. The supernatural only happens when you obey God and the steps that he's given you to do for your miracle. I wonder, for every one of you who have a miracle that you need God to move in, what steps have you obeyed to see it come to pass and manifest? It's a big deal. Oh, we love to shout and scream, man, when, the, you know, when we get goosebumps, but we don't like to shout and scream when we have to obey. What? I have a skin disease, God, and you're telling me to go dip in the Jordan River seven times? God, I'm blind, and you're telling me you're about to spit on my eyes? Hello, I'm a germaphobe. That don't make sense. God, there is this impenetrable wall in front of me, and you're telling me all you're wanting me to do for six days, walk around it and say not one word, but on the seventh day, shout? How in the world is this wall going to fall? God, he's a 15-year-old kid. This guy, is a, his name's Goliath, has been trained in the art of war from when he was a little kid. Help. When you obey the spoken word that God's given you, signs and wonders and miracles fall in your life. I, I, I love this. The Bible says that where she was lacking and what she thought was small was the thing that fulfilled her life. Mm. The thing that she devalued, the thing that she just thought was minimum, the thing that she thought was small was the thing that God said, that is just enough. <laughs> That's just enough. Not in your hands, but in my hands. I wonder if that's what the disciples thought when he's speaking and there's 5,000 people, not including men and, or not including women and children, and he's saying, you know what, I'm going to feed them. What do you have? Well, all we have is five loaves and two fish. Give me that. That's enough. How is this enough? I, did, Jesus, did you hear me? We got 5,000. We got five loaves. That don't make sense. Just obey me with what you have. It's enough. <laughs> Jesus, I have nothing. What do you have? This small something that, that is enough. God will never expect you to do something that he, and, and to be able to go somewhere that he hasn't prepared you, prepared you already for. Everything that he asks of you, every place he tells you to go, he has already prepared you already for that next season for you to transition in. The only thing lacking is your obedience. Your obedience. The Bible says that she obeyed. And she started gathering. Uh, she went over to Jennifer's house. She got a, 
jar. And she went to Brianna's house, and she got a jar. She went to Nathan's house, and she got a jar. She went to Ken's house, and she got a jar. He, oh, man, he went, he went to, uh, she went to Brianna's house and got a jar. Went to Scott's house and got a jar. Went to Alvon's house and got a jar. Went to May's house and got a jar. Went to the Bagwell's house and got a jar. She, she got jars everywhere. And, and, and what happened? Every container was filled. And the Holy Spirit spoke this word to me. Your faith is the container to which heaven will fill your life with blessings. You missed it. You missed it. Your faith is the container into which heaven will pour blessings. Faith is what contains the blessings in your life. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. Without faith, the impenetrable wall, Jericho, would have never fell. Without faith, David would have never slayed that giant. Without faith, Moses would have never led the children of Israel out of slavery. Without faith, Esther wouldn't be able to stand firm in where she was at and represent the true king of kings and lord of lords. Without faith, a lot of us want motivation. A lot of us want cliches. A lot of us want a tweetable thought. A lot of us want a feel-good message. No, we don't want to be in the natural when it comes in the area of faith. But I've come with a word. Your faith is the container in which heaven will blow up, will, 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 will usher out the blessings of God into your life. How many of you want every heavenly blessing to come to your life? The Bible says that as she brought the containers, see, the containers represented the faith. The containers represented the vessel to which God filled her life. And it filled her life because of her obedience in such a way that not only did it, not only did it pay the debt that was on her life, but she was left with more than enough to be able to live her life on. God wants to increase you. God wants to bless you. God wants to not only just sustain you, he wants you to thrive, but you will never thrive without faith in him. You'll never thrive. That's why for some of us, our healing has not come because we have yet to bring a container of faith. Now, I understand some people, that is God's, That's the story he wrote in order for him to get glory from you. But his story for you was never written where you live life hope deferred and sick. His, hope, his plans for you is to prosper. His plans for you is to be able to have hope. His plans for you is to be able to realize you have a future in him. But we live in a day and time when no one has a future. In God, no one's dreaming of greater things in him. No one's thinking that my marriage can thrive, my sons can thrive, and my daughter can thrive. I believe, and that's why I want my sons to be a part of the huddle meeting every Sunday morning, because I want my sons and I want my daughter to see me lay hands on people. I want, I want my sons and I want my daughter to see people being able to experience a move of God before church even starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. I want them to be able to see what it means for daddy to have hope that with God all things are possible. To see what it means for God to bless. 
And he only blesses through people who have containers of faith. Ask the worship team if you can come up now. Because we're going to have a time of prayer. Where have you lost your faith? Where have you lost your hope? God, this morning, is about to move like you have never seen him move ever. Ever. This morning is about to be a day of breakthrough for, us, for a few of us here who believe. Here's the key to it, though. Elisha told her, just don't bring a few jars. You need to bring a lot. You need to bring as much. You need to bring everything. You need to bring as much. You need to bring more than enough. Just don't get a jar from Jennifer's house. You need to get as many jars as you can, and you need to bring it because heaven is about to open up a window, and it's about to shower onto your life, but it will only shower in your life if you have a level of expectation of faith to say, God, you can do all things in my life today, in my life right now. I've said this to our staff. They've asked me, why don't you have altar calls all the time? Because I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make something happen every Sunday. I want it to be something that I know God is in it. Is it wrong that other churches who have altar calls every Sunday? No, it's not wrong. That is a personal conviction that God has dealt with my heart for our local church. This is a divine opportunity right here, right now. I've told God, God, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want, per, you know what, this amazing message to move you. I don't want amazing worship to move me. I want to be moved by my faith. I want to be, I want to be like Hebrews, where, where I think it's Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 13. It's like the chapter of the hall of faith. By faith, they slew giants. By faith, they slew nations. By faith, they did this. By faith. By faith. They saw their kids brought back to life. By faith. Not by electrifying preaching. Not by great sound of worship. But by faith. This morning. This morning. If you will activate and bring your faith, God is about to bring a blessing into your life. This morning, I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it in pictures with some of your faces that are sitting in this place. It's going to happen this morning. With everybody, please stand. My desire is to be able to see a body of Christ who loves the presence of God more than style, more than a, a natural sound, but will go after the presence of God that was directed by the word of God and obedience in the natural. So what I see God doing right now, right here in this place, he's wanting to break chains off. He's wanting to be able to restore marriages right now. He's wanting to heal your broken heart He's wanting to be able to pour in his love and his grace right now. But I wonder, if there's, is there anybody willing with faith to step out and come and pray, God, heal me now in this place. 
Pastor Mark, you said before, God can touch me right now. I believe that. But there's something that's in this place right here, right now. In this place right here. Are you going to allow your marriage to go another day lacking? Are you okay allowing another day where your son and daughters are in debt to your sin? Are you okay? Are you willing? No. I'm bringing every vessel. I'm bringing my soul, my heart, will, and my emotions. I'm bringing every care and every fear. And I'm bringing that Holy Spirit rain down on me now. Lord, right down.